Well, good afternoon, everybody, on this rainy Tuesday. Thank God for rain. We're getting a little rain, but welcome to our podcast, St. Andrews Community Church. We are a global Methodist congregation, and likely, as you can see, we're one short today. We uh, are. Bonnie is unable to be with us because she is home taking care of a sick daughter. We miss her, but we certainly want to pray for Addie that she's getting better. What She went to urgent care. And- yeah, tested positive for strep. So I guess strep's going around. Yeah. I can't, I, I don't know if I, so I don't know the science behind this. Mm-hmm. So I may be saying something and one of our viewers may just say, Josh is an idiot. He, Th- this he is the area we theology. are not the experts. But <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I remember hearing and I don't know where, I don't know who, that um, if you had your tonsils taken out, you can't get strep. I've never I don't know if before. it's true or not. I had my tonsils out when I was five. It's, it's one of my earliest memories as a child was uh, them holding me down on the table because they put the, the mask on and I grabbed it off my face and said it smells and I threw it. <laughs> And the doctor and nurses had to hold me down to get me to to knock me out so that they could get my tonsils out. I was like four or five years old, but I've never had strep ever. And so okay. I heard that. And then since I've never had strep, I, I think maybe it's true. Addie has her tonsils. I guess they're not taking tonsils out like they used to. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, so I've never, never had strep. She's tested positive strep. She gets strep at least once a year, I feel like. I used so, to get strep a lot when I was in college, and I still tonsils? have my tonsils. There we go. So, so whether it's science, science or not, I'm going to go with it. We're, if you are a doctor or know more than me, let, leave us a comment on Facebook to let me know if I'm crazy or not, because I've been too lazy to like Google it or something. And you can believe everything. Everything. Every, I love that when you said that this Sunday. Everything. <laughs> so yeah, Bonnie's not with us, uh, taking care of Addie, uh, but we do have three bobbleheads joining three bobbleheads. us today. Today and we're so, talking about... We, we, we talked judge. about the ascension. Oh, we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that, but then we're moving into this next week, comes to judge the living and the dead. And so we have... The Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh-huh. judging the living Shea Gilgis Alexander, the superstar of the Thunder who tip off tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. Excited for that. And the dead to me, Kevin dead. Durant. Fully alive. But- July 4th, 2016. Kevin Durant has been dead to me, so we're going to lay him down right here. Why don't you just have him descend to the place of the dead? No, I like the visual of him just okay. laying on his face. <laughs> and and I will say, uh, based on last week's sermon, it is good that Shea Gilgis Alexander is at the right hand he is. of the judge. He's at the right hand. I did that in, intentionally. That was intentional. And he is ascending for the layup. There so we go. We got it, we got it all right it's all here. Right. It, some weeks it's easy to come up with this stuff, and some weeks I'm just going to have a random bobblehead because it won't work like this. But All right. Well, and before we go any further, we certainly want to introduce the man who makes all this happen behind the scenes, Jeff, our studio engineer. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. How about you guys? Y'all enjoying this rain? Yeah. I'm not a big rain person. I, like, I. So this is what's funny. I'm not an outdoor person. I don't want to go camping. You know, I, I don't right. like bugs. I don't like heat. I don't like to sweat. Um, I don't like the cold. 
like to play golf. I do, but it, like the older I get, the the weather has to be just. I mean, no wind. You know, because shoot, shoot in the eighties, but I if used, it gets much hotter, you don't want to play. Right. I used to go out and I would. I played. Uh, 36 holes of golf once in the rain when I was like 15 years old because what else was I going to do? Uh, but I, I, I so it, we need the rain for sure. We need the rain, but I would much rather look outside and see the sun than to, to see the rain flying across my window, but we need it. So I think there are certain days I, you know, I frequently tell the Lord, if it's going to rain on Sunday, please wait till one o'clock. Right. <laughs> so, you know, people can get to church without getting wet. I couldn't live in a rainy place. Like if, if I Seattle, lived in Seattle, I would yeah. be miserable. Yeah. I'd be depressed. So, uh, Jeff, I, I, you have moved around. I can't see the screen as much. Do you have a camera <laughs> on you today? Uh, yeah, yeah. We okay, because I want everybody right to notice you yeah. have on your hockey jersey. Uh, how is hockey going? Y'all have already started there at UCO? Yep, yep, already started so far. Uh, it's been a great season. Uh, we're currently, uh, what is it, 8-0 right now. So Excellent. ranked in the top five in the nation okay. and uh, got a big game this weekend, a big series against uh, University of Mary. So they're making University of Mary? University of Mary. I'm guessing that's East Coast? It's uh, kind of up in the... Uh, um, Illinois area. Oh, I was way off. See, I, it I was went, east, but it's not he, the east coast. He told me yeah. yesterday, University of Mary, and of course, all I can think of is William and Mary, right. which is certainly back east. Well, that's enough of us. Let's get down to uh, today's topic. Uh, looking at the series on the Apostles' Creed and what we believe about it, and uh, last Sunday we talked about um, he ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the father almighty. And again, our, our worship Sunday, just the comments people made was very meaningful, very impactful for things. Um, but I want us to chat just a little bit about something Tennant wrote in the book that I did not really talk about in the sermon. And that is the Timothy Tennant has written a book called this. We believe, and he emphasizes that the ascension of Jesus talks about Jesus as the prophet, the priest, and the king. I had never heard that, never considered that before. Now, I know Jesus was, you know, prophet, priest, king, but I've never heard it about his ascension. Did you have any response to that? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's that's one of my favorite parts of this book. And I, I feel like every week as I'm rereading this book, because I read it a couple years ago, as I'm rereading it, I find Going, oh, that's my favorite chapter. Oh, that's my favorite <laughs> I chapter. Say, I think I've heard you say that yeah. before about other but, things. But this section of this chapter on the Ascension, one, the Ascension, like you said Sunday, isn't something we think about, we really we discuss, don't. that we consider very often. We just yeah. kind of take it for granted, and we don't really even know, kind of like, you know, the idea that he descended to the dead. Um, okay, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, and I think the Ascension is similar, uh, and... And so this idea of priest, prophet, and king, I love because I'm kind of an Old Testament nerd. Mm -hmm. I love the Old Testament. I just love everything about it because it, it brings so much depth to the New Testament. I, I don't think we can fully grasp and understand. I don't think we can fully grasp and understand God's Word anyways because there's so many layers. But right. I don't think we can appreciate uh, the New Testament uh, without a, a a solid, healthy understanding of the Old Testament. So much about Passover and sacrifice and, and all of that stuff. If we don't have a good understanding of it, um, some of the things in the New Testament kind of gets lost on us. And the prophet, priest, and king is one of those things. Right, where I agree. 
in the Old Testament, that's what they had, right? You had the priest who was basically the uh, mouthpiece for the people. Um, right, trying to maintain the status quo, do the rituals. You went to the priest for a sacrifice. You went to the priest to bring your offering. Right. And then the priest would offer those things to God. Um, and he was the go-between between the people and God. And then you had the prophet who was the opposite of that, was the go-between between God and the people. God would speak to the prophet, and the prophet would then speak that. And you, you, get, you, know, sto- you, know, you get Jonah, who is the reluctant prophet, right? God says, hey, mm-hmm. go to Nineveh, tell them that they need to repent or they're, they're you know, yeah. they're, fly or fry. It's not going to be very good outcome <laughs> for them. And he doesn't want to do it. And, and he tells, you know, later on, the reason is because he knew God was going to show grace. And, you know, the, the whole story, once again, I'm getting into Old Testament, nerding right. out, love Jonah. Um, but the prophet spoke on behalf of God to the people, and then the king ruled. Right. Um, and in Jesus, we have the perfect combination of all three he is the perfect priest the perfect prophet the perfect king all three in one Mm -hmm. um and so i just love that and so as i was rereading that chapter last week um i i just kind of fell in love with that idea all over again it's not something we think about a lot but it's something that i really love with the imagery of how those three roles played out in the old testament the, the part he talked about, and because when he talked about prophet and priest, again, I, I, I know the difference from studying Old right. Testament stuff, but I love that he said the prophet faces the people and declares yeah. the word of God. And it, it gives me the idea of the ministry of Jesus that Jesus would, in the Sermon on the Mount, would say, You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. Now, because it's a sermon, we think of him as a preacher. Right. But it, it really is prophetic, speaking forth the word of God. And it's not that Jesus came to uh, change what they believed as far as this is what the law says. It was to expand and say, it really means a lot more than you think it it means. But to, you know, you imagine Jesus as a prophet. He's looking at us, uh, talking to us, you know, don't look at a woman with lust in your heart. Uh, don't call your brother Raka a fool. The priest though, and I appreciate how he said this, Faces God and intercedes on behalf of the people yeah. to intercede, and and that was part of the the sermon. Which, when we read John chapter seventeen, we read what we call the high priestly yeah. prayer of Jesus. The book of Hebrews in the Bible actually spends a lot of time saying Jesus is our high priest. His sac the sacrifice he offered, which was the sacrifice of himself, was on behalf of all the people. And so that whole dynamic of prophet and uh, priest, although I'm like you, we learn about priests before we learn about prophets. Like, right. you know, the the priests maintain the status quo. The prophets are like, no, we got we got to get this stuff going. This is not just a go through the motions, static thing. This is a dynamic, energized, make some decisions, move, kind of things. And then, of course, Jesus is a king, and that was a part that was listed in the Ephesian scripture where it says uh, he ascended to fill the whole earth with himself. And as we talked about last week, when Jesus was incarnated, walking the face of the earth, spatial limitation, right. uh, ascended back to heaven, no longer limited by space. Yeah, it wasn't just an ascension from here to there. It was an ascension from here to everywhere. Right. He no longer uh, was bound by 
um, space and time uh, like he was in his uh, human body. Right. And as king, he reigns over all the earth. He rules over all the earth. That leads us into this next section. Right. And that is... uh, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Or I always think of that as the older uh, King James English. You know, he came to judge the quick. Yeah, I was gonna. Dead. I was actually gonna ask about that um, because I noticed that you had in here on our notes the living and the dead. But I believe on Sunday mornings we say the quick and the dead. You know, you and may so be right. I was curious as to. I, I've always said living and dead. Every church that I've been a part of, that was the the creed we used. And so, what what is the? And if I wasn't so lazy, I, I probably could have looked this up myself. <laughs> but um, what what is the the quick? I mean, obviously, I know it must mean living. But what uh, what's that all about? What's that from? I think that's kind of. I, I don't know originally what it's from. I, I'm guessing it is probably. Uh, an old English phrase that my soul was quickened. Yeah. Uh, you know, perhaps John Wesley. I, I haven't researched this either, so this is educated guess. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, to say my soul was quickened would say my soul came alive, my spirit yeah. came alive. Uh, it, but it, it's a distinction between living and dead. Right. The same way when we get to Catholic, universal, just yeah, a different way of communicating the same idea yeah i have to make sure and read the apostles creed off the screen i do it every sunday whenever i lead it on sunday mornings because there are just little things like that that if i'm looking at it and reading it i will say living instead of quick and i will say catholic instead of universal and and uh, we don't say he sits at the right hand of god we say he is seated right at the right hand of god so some some of those changes have been because we're trying to make little more contemporary language so it's easier for people to understand but let's 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 talk about judge judge we got judge ginsburg with us today um how do you feel about the concept of judgment well who's being judged <laughs> i mean we're cuz i cuz i think that's i think that's typically um our response um is that I'm all for justice. I'm yes. all for judgment if I'm not the one being judged. Right? If someone else is getting pulled over to get the ticket, if someone else is uh being put back in line for misbehavior, I'm for that. If it's me, I, no, show me grace. I don't want to be judged. I don't want the ticket. I don't want um that. And so um and I say that kind of joking sure i think that is how we feel you, you don't speed or have to appear before oh, judge. never never we do uh i think um feel that way to a certain extent but i think and really thinking about it i think a lot of people do struggle with the idea of judgment because we don't always see how that aligns with love right mm-hmm. a loving god would also be judging but i love the line from the book as i was reading through that um earlier today he says that love without justice is mere sentimentality mm-hmm. um and is really love if judgment if justice isn't a part of it right, right. um you just think about all the evil in the world all the sin in the world all the terrible things in the world would a loving god not judge those things and just say uh, i mean think about how chaotic our world would be if we didn't have the justice system Mm -hmm. if we didn't have police officers if we didn't have those things in place 
the world would be even more chaotic than it is. And right. so while it's hard to sometimes think of God or Jesus judging the living and the dead and judgment day and those things, um, it, it's absolutely loving. It's absolutely what has to happen for God to truly be love, mm-hmm. which scripture tells us over and over that he is. Judgment has to be a part of that. Otherwise, it's not really love. One of the, th- the things I think of, the reason I ask the question is when we think of people outside of church, I would say probably the number one criticism they have about those of us that are in the church is hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, that, that we believe what we can't live up to. And I, guilty. You know, I, I, I admit that. I confess that. I'm not proud of that. But I, I've always said I can preach a lot more Jesus than I can live. Yeah. Um, I think the second one, though, is this idea of judgment because we look at things based on, if you will, the law of God, and we say, well, this is sin and this is not sin. Uh, this is in contradiction to Christian teaching. This isn't in contradiction. And if we ever say, uh, we believe this is in contradiction to Christian teaching, the criticism against us is that we're judging people unfairly. Right. And um, I, I think there tends to be a negative response by people outside the church by saying, well, you're judging me. Admittedly, sometimes that might be the case. Sometimes it's no, I am, I'm not the one judging you. Right. Uh, and, and the, the scripture, this, this drove me nuts once years ago. This, this might be a man card violation. <laughs> We'll let, I, we'll let Ruth be the I, judge I, of that. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know what was going on. Oh, but Please I, tell me you weren't watching, like, The View or something. No, it was Oprah. That's <laughs> what <where, laughs> oh, <laughs> Might this, be? This, might be? This predates The View. Oh, I, I, my I think what goodness. happened was I, I turned on the TV and Oprah was on whatever <laughs> channel was on. And they were having a theological discussion, so that caught my attention. Yeah. And somebody... Um, made this made a statement and oprah said oh judge not lest you be judged and i thought you don't understand what the scripture says you are completely misunderstanding but you know again when we talk about god as judge that is number one what they accuse us of doing but number two you know like you just said god's judgment is just and I, I even love the the Jonah reference you made. God had judged Nineveh, right? You know, you're guilty, you are sinful, you are found wanting. Yet thirty days and Nineveh will be overthrown, right? Well, and I think <laughs> I think part of the struggle with judging or judgment within the church is um, is this. I think at times the church, people in the church do become judgmental. They yeah. do become the judge and the jury. Right. Um, they do try to take that throne away from Jesus and say, you know, you, you just think about what the Westboro Baptist Church. And right. They go and uh, 
uh, which most of them are lawyers. A lot, right. or I say most of them. A lot of them are lawyers. Go to so they are trained in the holding law. signs and telling people they're going to hell. And and we had, there was a group every year that would come down to OU and and do that in the South Oval. And and uh, so when you have examples of that, it uh, it leads people into um, the the moment anything is said that's the image they get in their mind and every all followers of Christ get lumped into that same thing and it's it's like yes god is the judge we shouldn't be judged at all I, mm-hmm. I i'm the least uh person you know in the world that should be judging anyone um but i think to to point out scripture and to say something is right or something is wrong isn't that's not that's a not judgment. judgment that's just speaking from scripture that's not telling someone that they're a terrible person it's not judging them at all it's just simply saying this is the right thing to do and this is the wrong thing to do um that's not that's not judgment but i think because of how the church at times has misbehaved that gets lumped into that and and is considered judgment when it's not really a judgment i i look at the uh you know because when i ask a question you know what's your reaction judgment you said it depends on who's being judged i think another question is what is being judged yeah um, and you know, one of the images that comes to my mind is, you know, you enter your prize winning, you know, strawberry jelly in the, you know, county fair, and they're going to judge it against, you know, all others, which one is the best, which one's right. a blue winner. There's a, a set of criteria. And when you go to a court of law, what the judges, at least I think what the judges do and what they ask juries to do in a jury trial is to listen to the evidence and then make a judgment based on the evidence. And when we talk about God as judge, considering all the evidence, and and you know I, I talked about this a little bit last week, we're guilty, right? You know we're sin, we're born in sin, we sin, we're, we're guilty, and what we deserve because of sin is our death. And this is what to me has happened in the church that has not always been helpful, and that is we try to threaten people into conversion talking about the judgment of God. Right. Uh, You know, I think once upon a time that was a chief evangelism strategy, maybe in some places it still is. Increasingly, it's not a strategy I would feel comfortable with. Yeah, the whole, do you know know where you're going tonight if you were to die? Yeah. Yeah. That whole, yeah. A funny story in that I had a friend once, he's about 6'10", 6'11", and was uh, driving down Reno late one night, pouring down rain, saw someone walking down the street in the rain and, and thought, you know, just felt convicted that I need to pull over and give them a yeah. ride and help them out and pick them up and then felt this, uh, this conviction in his heart that I need to share the gospel with them. I, I need to share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't really know how to approach that. And with a stranger driving them to where, you know, the bus stop or wherever yeah. they were going. And, and <laughs> thankfully it was a bus stop, yeah. not a hotel. <laughs> and and he, he, he looks over at them and, and asks that question. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? And the person freaked out, you know, there's seven foot tall person in this truck that just picked him up, <laughs> asking if they knew where they were going to go if they died tonight. Um, and was like, stop now, let me out of the car. And then he had to stop and let them out. Oh my. Cause they were so, but, but yeah, like, that that's, tried to, that's a strong try, negative reaction. Trying to scare someone into heaven. Um, that's not what we're called to do. Right. Jesus says, go make disciples. You know, he doesn't, you know, and, and we cast a wide net 
um, doesn't say go try to scare people into a relationship with me. Right. Um, that, like you said, maybe that's ha- that had a time and a place. Maybe at some point, maybe it's worked with you know maybe someone who's listening right now, watching right now. That's their testimony is they were somewhere and someone kind of scared them into that. And um, you know, I'm glad that it worked for them. But in general, that type of evangelism isn't very effective. Yeah, that that's really part of my testimony. Even though I was raised in the church, the night I remember making a decision for Christ was going to a church where they preached the hottest hell I've ever heard. I mean, very graphic, still burned in my hard drive. And I was convinced I am not going to that place. It it may have been effective that night because I you know seven years old. Right. It was not effective to keeping me in love with God. Yeah. And that's why we tend to emphasize grace and who God is. And that's what I love about what Tennant says and writes in his book is he said, judgment is God's way of setting things right. Yeah. And that's something we should long for. Right? That's something we should long for, a, a time when there's no more sickness, when there's no more death, when there's no more sin, where there's no more... Think about the horrible things in our world today. God is going to set all of those things right. Jesus will return and set all things right, and we'll judge the living and the dead, and that's something that is a great thing. It's something we should pray for and be longing for, that things would be set right, because there's a lot that's not set right. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, guilt in the world, if I may use that word, that is not dealt with justly. Right. And that's when he will make all things right. When Jesus returns, he will... Do what the disciples ask him in Acts chapter 1. Are you you at this time going to restore the kingdom? He is coming again to fully establish the kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, when it is consummated, all things are made right. And the great contradiction with Jesus, and I just came up, that maybe maybe that's written somewhere. I just came up with it, though. In the cross, right, is where we see Jesus take justice and mercy and bring the two together into himself right yeah and and because justice and mercy in a lot of ways are opposites um and somehow jesus stands in the gap in the tension of justice and mercy so when we're talking about justice we're not just talking about oh you deserve death boom because we all deserve death right boom right but the mercy side of that the grace side of that is that jesus took our punishment for us yeah the character of god is such that he can only offer us Mercy, right. love, and grace. So in this idea of judgment and justice and Jesus being the perfect priest, prophet, and king, the perfect judge, there is somehow miraculously, mysteriously, where grace and mercy and justice come together in all of that and setting things right. And that's that's the thing that we're longing for. And that's a little bit what John writes in the first chapter that uh, he was full of grace and truth. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyhow, don't have time to get into that today. Josh, we got a busy weekend. Busy, busy week. St. Andrew, yeah. Why don't you talk about that? So tomorrow night, and this is Tuesday. So if you're watching this later on, know that I'm talking about Wednesday night. Uh, midweek returns, discipleship, dinner and discipleship for all ages. We're having spaghetti tomorrow night. Continuing our study with adults on the disciples. We'll have great programming for children, great programming for youth, the nursery. Um, All of it's going on tomorrow night, 5.30 to 7.30. It'll be a great night. And then Sunday, 
fall fest. Mm-hmm. Don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. We're keeping an eye on the weather. Uh, it's looking like it's for sure going to happen Sunday from 3 to 5. Um, we had talked about some alternative dates and stuff, but I think we're going to figure out a way to make it happen. If the rain does come Sunday, like it's looking like right now anyways, we're figuring out a way to be able to have everything inside. Um, but it'll be from 3 to 5. Invite your family, invite your friends, invite your neighbors. Um, trunk or treating, whether it's out in the parking lot or inside, is going to be great for the families and kids. Uh, there's going to be a uh, uh, petting zoo, some animals. Um, we're figuring out the logistics of that if we have to move them into the gym. Uh, trackless train was scheduled. Now, whether that happens or not, we're still trying to figure out the logistics yeah. of that. If we have to move things inside, uh, that may be something that, that goes. But there'll be games. There'll be prizes. There'll be candy. Um, it's going to be a great day, whether the, the weather allows us to be outside or not. It's going to be a great day, 3 to 5 this Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I want to say the train may get derailed, but it's a trackless train. It's a trackless so that, train, so that can't happen. We may unplug it. I don't know. It's an but, electric trackless yeah. train. I don't know. But I also want to remind everybody that this Sunday is also our commitment Sunday and our stewardship campaign. It's our hope that members of our church understand we have uh, we make a commitment to financially support the church and. I want to encourage you to continue to pray, asking God, what would you have me return to you through the ministries of this church next year? So, friends, thank you so much. Pray for Addie that she gets over this threat. Pray for us to make right decisions as we look ahead to Sunday. God bless. See you next Tuesday.